Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In all 30 guests, Nick Phelps has put me in touch with Dick Phelps, who worked on spacecraft over 50 years ago. You said you're 85 years old. And as I just told you, you have more energy than most of the people I talk to. It's like pulling teeth to get anything out of them. But please introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, my name is Dick Phelps. I uh, live in Remsen, New York, uh, Navy veteran. Uh, worked at General Electric for 36 years. They left Utica. I uh, picked up a bunch of odd jobs after that, detailing cars. Had to do something. And now I just... Hang around, cut the grass, and uh, Nick, can you this here? Yeah, get that. I can't see his face. If oh. that makes any difference. Yes. Okay. There we go. Oh, you're back. Uh, there was a thing, a little covering your face I there. Gotcha. So. Yep. Yep. You can edit that out. That's no, okay. no, man. No, 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 no. It's ask Nick. It's yeah. a very informal podcast. Um, yeah. Now, which which spacecraft was it? Which rover or craft uh, was, uh, it? was it? We called them uh, Viking Orbiter 75, VO 75, and then the other one went up in 76. So we built them at General Electric, the computer. Uh, apparently, there were, I, I read up on it. Uh, Boeing had a computer for different things. There were more than one computer. And... Like I told Nick, I'm not an engineer. I was a specialist. So what they would do with me in the lab, uh, we worked with Jet Propulsion Lab out of Pasadena. They would send, send us what they wanted. Then our electrical mechanical engineers would have to design it uh, to their specifications. And when they were happy with the design, then we would build a prototype. And we would test it as much as we could, you know, to just to see that if it would work. Of course, it wasn't under space conditions because you were right, right on Earth. So we would check them out. Uh, but the funny part of it is I've got a picture here I've given to Nick. Uh, he can probably send it to you. Oh, he sent it to you already. Yeah. Now, you can see the computer, all the wiring and everything. Now, that had a memory in it, so I read, I didn't, I can't remember at the time, of uh, 50 megabytes was, uh, yep, that's it, yep, you got it. 50 megabytes. 50 megabytes was the total thing, and it is still operating, well, I can't say it's operating, but somehow they know where it is, or maybe... They can get a command or two, but one of them is 13 billion and the other one is 11 billion miles from Earth. And they passed the uh, ionosphere or something they call it. I don't know. There's a bubble around the Earth that's out there, and it took them 40 years to get there. Kuiper belt? Huh? The Kuiper belt, is it? Well, uh, 
I don't I know. know. I don't know. There's so many shells in, of the of the solar system. And it finally, both of them have cleared there, and they're traveling. One's traveling at like thirty-seven thousand miles an hour. The other one's at thirty-four. All the propellant, the gas and stuff, uh, has been used up, but they've got the inertia to go, and they uh, they're just going to continue to go at that speed. Yeah. And they were, I read up on it this morning. I like to check on it. Uh, one of them said it will probably reach the first star that is capable of reaching in 140 years. So, and then it will start circling the, whatever they call it out there, stratosphere, or I don't know. But they said it'll be circling around for billions of years, just doing nothing, but it's out there. But uh, you can see the size. Well, I'm talking size. You have the picture, yes. Uh, what we had to do, now they have what they call microcircuits, uh, like in what the laptops we're talking on. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. The laptops, uh, we were... In, in this unit, I can't remember, but I'd like to say there were eight or ten boards that were probably, you know, eight inches long, five or six inches high, and they were filled with what we call discrete components, resistors, capacitors, because there were no microcircuits. So you had a one board that probably maybe a hundred of these, maybe a thousand of these things, you could put in one microchip today. Yeah. Uh, it just it blows your mind, you just know? Insane. It, uh, everything has got so tiny that, well, it's just the way it is. And as we build it, each part had to be weighed because the, the total, total weight of the thing couldn't go over so much. They only had so much thrust. So I suppose uh, Boeing was probably doing the same thing and all the other vendors were doing the same things. And they uh, had to keep the weight within control. So we had a set of scales and we built a little circuit and before it got put into production and say, okay, that's going to be okay. These four components, they only weigh so much, and they would categorize that and keep doing it until you finally did the whole thing. And the ladies that put these components on at GE, they were just, it was unbelievable the work they could do with their hands and a soldering iron. It, uh, it was just it was a work of art. They were artists. Oh, yeah. And these ladies weren't trained at all. They just got hired, and they sent them to solder school, and then they would build these things. And when it got all done, each board, they would spray it what they call conformal cope because you couldn't have moisture. I mean, these things were all out in the open. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's like taking your, your phone and opening up the back of it today and dumping some water in. Well, everything here was conformal coated because you're going through how many temperature changes to get where it was going and, and everything. Uh, 
I don't know. Um, what you said about them being artists, that makes me think of two things. Um, the first is uh, Richard Rhodes, the historian who wrote about the atomic bomb and the, uh, and the hydrogen bomb. And he talked about when they were building the first hydrogen bomb in 52, Ivy Mike, they had to use a uh, gold leafing on the inside for some had the highest reflectivity, something to, smarter than me. I don't know how to build a hydrogen bomb. Surprising, I know. But they actually, yeah. they brought in an actual artist because they needed it bubble free. And so they have all these engineers with all their tools and equipment and then they have this artist from like Italy or something in there. They got it, had to give him a top secret classification, background check. And he's in there making this beautiful art, but it's it's a hydrogen bomb. And then yeah. the second example was uh, the construction of NORAD, right? Uh, Northern Aerospace, Defense, yes. Cheyenne mm -hmm. Mountain. And uh, when they hollowed out the mountain, they didn't realize, and I didn't know this was possible, but the inside of the mountain was quote unquote rotten. Something was wrong with the granite. But they had already started this project and they didn't want to stop. So they brought in this guy and they said he was halfway between like a like an engineer that knew how to blast rock and halfway between like Michelangelo. And so he yeah. came in and again, they brought in this guy who was an Air Force. He wasn't he was an artist because he oh. knew how to delicately do things. And he walked in and he was like you need this many charges here. You need this many pylons here. And they were like, you never would have thought in a million years. But I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? In two, in two instances, you have artists who were involved with the construction of NORAD and, or oh, Cheyenne yeah. Mountain and the construction of the hydrogen bomb. And now you're oh, talking yeah. about it with, uh, with Viking. It's, it is art. Yeah. Well, in that picture, you can see all the wires. They had uh, what they call wire designers mm -hmm. that have to come in and figure out and then lay these wires out so they that they would fit in there and then they wouldn't come apart. Each pin that was in it, uh, where the wire connected to the pin, uh, they did what they called a pin retention. They had a little tool and they push on that and whatever the, uh, the max was, if it pushed it out, then they would have to change the pin on what they called the motherboard, the bottom, where all the other boards fit. Oh. And so every every little item, every pin, everything, and that apparently is why it's still working. Well, I guess it was, uh, they sent the first one up in 73. Seven, this picture says 73, so probably 74. It was supposed to get to Mars in 75, so it was probably sent up. So that's what, 40, 47 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, 47 years. So apparently uh, they did things right. Yeah. Uh, You're talking about the pins. Um, right. What we're doing right now is episode 581, back episode, I think, 212. So about this time last year, mm -hmm. I interviewed a doctor, I can't remember his first name, Robert, Rob Manning excuse me, chief engineer of, uh, of, uh, JPL right now. And, yep. uh, he wrote a mm -hmm. book all about the newest Rover. I forget what the newest one is opportunity or curiosity, or I can never remember him, but he has this whole book and they're going into it. And he's like, he's like, it's simultaneously like the least complex and most complex thing ever. Like it's, it's, it's the least complex. And then he's like, you're building this thing with like wheels and a camera. He's like, we, we can mm -hmm. do that. That's nothing new. But he's yeah. like, 
you know, with like my phone, what does my phone really need to survive, right? It needs to survive however many finger touches, right? Uh, I think this newer version's waterproof, right? It can probably survive some falls, but I mean, right? I'm a 31 year old living in a suburb. Like it doesn't, right? It's not, it's not rated for like military use, right? But yes. with this Rover on the face value, it's just some wheels and a camera, right? I mean, I had those when I was a kid, but this, it has to survive takeoff, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It has to survive going out of the atmosphere, has to survive deep space, has to survive radiation, re-entry, landing, has to survive dust storms, the different humidity. So really what it is, is you have to have this one thing that can survive all of these things. And you take the simplest thing and it turns into the most complex thing. And then as you know, anyone can imagine, you can't service it. Once it's gone, it's gone. And oh, yeah. right. you're talking about with the pins he was talking yeah. about with like the wafers, you know, we are blasting it with radiation. Does it come apart? What happens when we get dust in a lens? It's, 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 it is, it's art. It's absolutely art. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, it was funny too, because, uh, uh, I, I guess I probably mentioned we did the work for JPL and they, some of their engineers would come on site for a while. They'd leave and they'd come back. Uh, we got to know them all pretty good. And one day, uh, it was in December, and three of them went out to lunch, and they come back, and they were cracking up. Says, what's going on? Said, uh, oh, uh, Cass, uh, he had a little problem. What was the problem? Well, there's so much snow out there. He slid, and he went up over the curb and into the grass. Well, we had three inches of snow. You know, so that really bothered him coming from California. <laughs> Didn't do any damage to anything, but yeah. he just took the corner a little bit too fast, you know. Yeah. Just little things, you know. Uh, they're these super smart engineers, and he can't drive a car in three inches of snow, you know. But, but you know what? There's some there's some beautiful symbolism in that, right? From California, brilliant engineer, yep. can't survive three inches of snow. Yep. Super complex computer can do all yeah. this stuff. What happens when it runs into half an inch of Martian dust? Yeah. And it's, mm. what? It's a $10 billion rover and there is a sandstorm, but that's what happens. And it's, yeah. as you just talked about, can't handle the snow. And it's like, yeah, man, it's, you know, I, I was born in New England and, you know, I remember living in, you know, Georgia and you get half an inch of snow and people would lose oh, yeah. their minds. But that's yeah. kind of the same thing. We have this rover. It can operate yeah. here on Earth. Great. What is it going to do on another planet? And yeah, it, there's there's a lot of it's reflected there. It's brilliant. Yes. Can do anything. What mm -hmm. about a what about a, a cloudy day on Mars? Uh oh, mm -hmm. it can't do that. What if it slides? Yeah. What if it takes a corner too fast? Granted, they go slow, but just again metaphorically, what if it takes a corner too fast? Well, there's yeah. no one there to flip it back over. Well, that's right. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yep, it's absolutely absurd. Now. When you look at like Viking and then you look at what's happening today, I'm, I'm impatient. 
for no reason. I'm not owed anything. I'm impatient about everything. I'm like, I just want to see stuff move faster. What are your thoughts or opinions on seeing how we have progressed since uh, you worked on Viking? Is it is it astonishing? It, did you think it would go faster? It's um, you know I've interviewed Charlie Duke, who is the tenth band to walk on the moon, and mm-hmm. you you can kind of see it where where he's it's impressive, like what SpaceX is doing now, but at the same time, like he walked on the moon fifty one years ago. Right. It's I think the fact that we haven't walked on Mars is a little unimpressive to him. So for you, are I want to what is your candid take today? Is it impressive what we're doing or is it like, hey, guys, chop, chop? Well, I'm probably a little bit in between. I don't know. Uh, I've been out of the field for so long, yet I've seen the strides that have been made. But with some of the engineers that I worked with, uh, they could see so far into the future things that I uh, couldn't even dream of. Yeah. And to them, they were always looking over the horizon just a little bit to see what was going on. And me, I would just sit there and I would take their ideas and, and put them on a board. So I guess yes and no on myself. It doesn't surprise me from the people that I worked with that that it happened, although I would never been able to do it, you know. Uh, uh, that's about it, I guess. I don't know. It's I know we've made gigantic strides. Well, like I said, you know, a whole board, uh, probably six or eight of those boards in a little chip that, that'll fit in your cell phone. Yeah. You know, and do twice as much. Well, I mean, you, you said 50 megabytes. You can't see it, but right next to me, I have a couple hard drives connected to each other, and oh, yeah. it kind of acts as one big thing. It's 100 yeah. terabytes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's, oh, yeah. It's the size of, I don't know, it's, uh, I don't know, foot long, six inches oh, high. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100 oh, yeah. terabytes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And what was it? Oh, I was thinking something. Oh, with that... Uh... 50 megabytes. I don't know what it said on there. They had either 600 or 6,000 hard commands set on disks. There were like 12 disks in there or something. And so you only had even say a maximum of 6,000 commands. Well, how many commands can you give your computer or this or that? Yeah. I have a lot more than that, you yeah. know. I mean, they were limited to to size, memory, weight, uh, something that had to work. Uh, just It's just unreal to, to comprehend the, the strides that we have made. It's kind of interesting in that, you know, your your name is your name is on the spacecraft, correct? Yes, they supposedly took all all the names anybody that worked on it. We gave them their name and they put it on some kind of a disc. Yep. So, so in a sense, you guys have achieved a sort of immortality that even the pharaohs couldn't, right? Because the pyramids will fall apart eventually. Oh you, yes. You guys, you're you guys are floating out there in infinity. You're above King Tut. You're above all the all the kings and the popes who wanted to, you know, Mount oh, yeah. Ru- Mount Rushmore. 
Oh yeah. You ever think yeah. about that? You guys are kind of you guys are. Oh, in... <laughs> I was on another. I don't know. We did uh, something. GE did also that went to the moon, and we also we had our name on that. So <laughs> so it was left there. They left it there on whatever the craft was. So my name's on the moon, and my name's out in space, but. Nobody out there knows who, who the heck I am, so who, 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 <laughs> but I know who I am. Exactly. Who cares? You know what's out there. It doesn't matter. You know what's out there. That's and like like for infinity. This bike, these Vikings are going to be, they're going to be for forever out yeah. there. Yeah. Maybe someday, uh, in uh, maybe there's a. I'd like to believe there's another place like Earth. Yeah. Oh. And maybe they're way ahead of us. Uh, and they will get out there and say, well, what's this crazy looking thing? What's this thing oh, floating around? Then they got to find somebody that knows English. And that might be hard to do, too. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, one thing I always I always like to think about, like a cool sci-fi movie would be, would be like if we were doing an archaeological dig and we found like a rover, like, uh-huh. a, like a Mars rover. But if we found it, you know, like a mile under the earth and it was yeah. like. It's some extinct species that was looking at, and they would have their names and like hieroglyphics or whatever language they use. But I mean, but you got to imagine, I mean, right. I mean, if you're sufficiently advanced enough, right. I mean, back to NORAD, NORAD can detect, I think it's the number is insane. There's a great documentary on it, but it sounds like a, it sounds like a number some kid just made up, but it's accurate. They NORAD because they, they can monitor things up to at least, classified up to 23,000 miles out in every direction. So a big sphere, 46,000 miles across. It's 21 trillion cubic miles that they can detect anything. Forget about a Cessna or a 747, every piece of space debris. Well, let's extrapolate that. Just like we go from 50 megabytes to 100 terabytes, eventually an alien civilization would become advanced enough that you could detect every little thing. And oh, yeah. You could scan everything and, you know, 99.9999999% of it would be, uh, you know, rocks and ice. But something is going to pin back and it's going to be like, what the heck is that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They'll monitor it and they'll find it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they know, you know, the asteroids, they know everything, Mm -hmm. all the rocks and everything. But they'll say, boy, this thing just, just doesn't look like anything we've ever seen. Yeah. Who knows? They might yeah. be able to capture it. Yeah. You know, geometric. Uh-huh. It's got sharp edges. It's got some mm-hmm. metal on it. It's got a you know. It's got an old power source. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. gonna find it. They're gonna say who yeah. the who the hell is Dick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't know if I guess this is more philosophical. The guys that worked on that, that saw everything over the horizon, they could, you know, they looked so far ahead and they just saw things that you couldn't, you know, that's how my dad is. My dad sees things 10 moves ahead that I'm like, how did you see that? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you could answer this. How did, how did those guys fare in just like their personal lives? Did that carry over? Did they, or is that something that was like, hyper like you know like michael jordan's a fantastic basketball player but apparently he's not like a very nice guy Uh is is 
did that carry over into their lives? Did they, you know, did, were they great investors? Did they know what to look for? Were they fantastic parents? Not, I mean, who can pass judgment on that, but it's just kind of a curious side question. Uh, most of the guys I worked with, the majority of them were good guys. I mean, every once in a while, in my opinion, I, 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 there's a couple guys I can think of that I didn't have much use for. Other guys thought he was all right. Other guys didn't. But overall, most of the guys were, were pretty decent fellows and never had any problems with them. Uh, I was thinking of something else when you were talking, and, and my mind isn't as good as it used to be, but... Uh. <laughs> Nonsense. It doesn't matter. I lose I lose my train of thought all the time. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And I guess this is more of like a like a personal question. Yeah. So I'm 31. This has nothing to do with Viking. I'm 31. You know, I look yeah. back at myself, uh, you know, five years ago, six years. I, I, I lost my – when I was 23, back in 2014, I lost my older brother to suicide unexpectedly. And, well, you know, I, yeah. oh, it's, it's, it's what it is. It's, yes. but yeah. I, I look back and I look at all the things I was concerned about at the time. You know, I just graduated college. I was getting ready to go to medical school. I had a girlfriend and all the little things I was worried about. I got to pay off my student loans. I got a X, Y, Z, I got a whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, I lost him. And if I could go back and talk to 23 year old me, I'd be like, you're worrying about all this other stuff that I know you think is the center of your universe, but you know, there's something right next to you, your brother, that it's going to be gone soon. And I can't help but think I'm 31 right now. I'm very obsessed as Nick knows. I'm very obsessed with working on this podcast. I want to turn to a big enterprise. I want to make money on it and I want to do philanthropy and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. I can't help but feel that a future me is looking back at me and going, that's all well and good. But, you know, ABC, XYZ, it's, you know, there's something else. You, you're, you're 54 years older than me. Looking back, what advice would you give to me or what uh, direction or is it, is it something that, you know, I, I say what I could tell 23-year-old me, but the reality is, is if I went back and told 23-year-old me, he wouldn't listen because he would just have to learn firsthand. Is there, what would you tell someone my age, just in general, not not little things like you should invest in this, but is there any overarching themes that you wish you knew at 31? Uh, all I can say is uh, get yourself a good woman. That's beautiful. Another, we've been married 56 years. We pick on each other. We have our little faults. But I don't know what I would do without her. It's just we've got a great family. Uh, if, if you got somebody that you can lean on and they can lean on you and be happy with, uh, sure, there's material things, but uh, with us, I don't know. Uh, that, that, that's, the mo- that's the most perfect answer. Mm-hmm. That, was, that just warmed my heart. Yeah. That was beautiful. I think, I don't know. I, I, I think that might be the natural, the natural conclusion of this, this podcast. Is there anything I haven't touched on? Uh, not really. I don't know. Uh, 
I was trying to look at some of the guys. Oh, uh, one of the guys in the picture that was sitting down, his name was Ellis Davis. Mm -hmm. He retired in 1979, and he had 41 years with General Electric at the time. He had started out in Schenectady because GE came to Utica in 1951. And the day he retired, he said, Phelpsy, I'm going to tell you something that you'll never forget. And I said, what's that, Ellis? He said, youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> How do you, there's really nothing to work with on that, though, right? I mean, <laughs> well, they don't realize when they're young, you know, when you get old, you, you, you can't move, you can't do this, you can't do that. But when you're young, you just do it, you know? So, you know, it's, one of the memories I always think back at that's bittersweet is uh, I remember I was at my uh, my uncle Bob. I was at his lake house. This was like 2005. I was just entering high school. And my older brother, who eventually I would lose, was just entering college. So I was 14. He was 18. Uh -huh. I remember we were sitting on the back porch and it was my mom, my dad, aunts and uncles, and they're all sitting around and they were all talking about like, oh, it was just yesterday. We were so young. And I remember uh -huh. John and I were looking at each other and I went, I looked at John and I go, come on, John, let's go enjoy our youth. And we started laughing. We got up and we walked away. Yeah. But I looked back at it and it was like, I had no idea. I only had you know, nine more years with him. And it was yeah. like, we were mm -hmm. kind of making a joke at them. You know, all oh, these, yeah. all these old people. But then I look back and I'm like, Oh yeah. I had no idea that he was the one I was going to lose. Everyone else that was there, they're all still alive. 60s, 70s. They're all fine. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, youth is wasted on the young and it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just something I never forgot. Yeah. He was, he was right. Yeah. Yep. I love I love that advice you gave me, right? Because anything else, you almost have to, you can't learn it. If you were, you know, you should do this, you should do that. Well, I'm not going to listen. You're right. It's like that quote, by the time a son realizes his dad was right, he has a son who thinks he's wrong. And it's no one ever gets to learn the wisdom and act on it. Yes. But you did just give a piece of advice that's kind of like a cheat code. It is. I can still act on it. Find yourself a woman. Mm -hmm. I can do that. Hopefully I can do that. <laughs> but uh-huh. That's yep. that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank thank you, sir. Yeah. I want to throw one thing in. Sure. Uh, well, we've talked a long time, but No, 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 no. I like I said, I normally go an hour. I just I don't want to yeah. I don't want to keep you. No. Well, where have I got to go? Well, where you have know? I got to go? What are what are any of us doing? I don't know. <laughs> I can keep talking, now, man. Yeah, when I was uh in school, my eighth grade teacher told me uh, that he said, uh, Mr. Phelps, you're very loquacious. And I said, Mr. Manning, what's that mean? He says, you go look it up in that big dictionary in the library. Well, I had to get up on the steps, you know, they, they had this like a podium that the president would speak on. There's this gigantic dictionary. And then I've had to figure out how to spell it and go through. Well, I found it and it says, one who talks a lot and says very little. <laughs> Should have run for office. 
right? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I did, but I'm the wrong party in my town, so I got beat. So yeah. Well, you know, I, that was a long time ago. Well, hey, yeah. I mean, you can tell with me, right? I mean, I got the gift of the gab. I mean, I can almost talk as much as uh, Nick's friend, uh, uh, Dan Libby, who uh, who never shuts up. Nick, you know that. And uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick, why don't you why don't you hop in? For what? Just come on in. Come join the party. Yeah. Well, how are you? What's going on, buddy? How's it going? How you been? I'm doing very good, thank you. I'm uh been uh been doing the podcast. Now, Nick, you because you know more of this than I do, what are some other sort of pertinent things about Viking that I haven't touched on? Because oftentimes when I'm when I'm should have it on a friend and I can you know, we're just shooting the shit. But this mm-hmm. is like a technical thing where I don't want to, I don't want to look back on this and say, "Shit, I should have asked him this. I should have asked him that." Um, actually, right now on, I think it's Hulu or HBO Max. There's a, a series called Space Probes. They talk about from Mars rover to everything, and the first ones is about the Vikings. So every picture that we've seen of the planets up close are from this computer. That's insane. That, that is insane. It went through the Saturn's rings and they thought it was like a mist and it ended up being little stones, little stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And going around the moons, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, there's so much information that's come about. I mean, every picture that we saw us, I mean, from I mean, his his son's, you know, 15 years plus older than me. Um, all the pictures that we saw of all the planets were from from this. You know, like when we were in kindergarten, yeah. you see the poster of the planets. It's from this. That's you know, so world history about space and nature is from these spacecraft. That is absolutely so, insane. Viking took the first pictures uh, of Mars. Uh, that were ever taken, so we were, we we did that first. So there was a lander, and uh, that maybe that was probably part of the Boeing, uh, because they they do the the you know flying stuff and everything. But yep, that's now. Does it? You know, we kind of talked about how it's floating out there, and you have that sort of immortality that the pharaohs couldn't dream of. Is it? Is it weird? Because, Nick, you're right. I mean, right now we have more and more probes and they're getting better pictures. But, yeah, I mean, growing up in the 90s and 2000s, yeah, going to school and looking at the book, you know, there's only so many pictures from there and they were probably from there. Is there any part of you that's – is it just weird? or I don't know how to pose this question. Is it odd seeing that, knowing that you were at the forefront of such a momentous piece of history? Or do you see it and it's just like – Oh yeah, you know, is it is it like me? I don't know, Nick. Do you get what I'm trying to ask? Is there any sort of? Are you still astonished by it, or have you become desensitized to it? Where you're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I worked on. Were you talking to Nick or me? Well, no, both. Yeah, both. Yeah. So for me, like, it's one of those things. It's like when I was doing RPAs or doing interrogations. I'm like, I got this bad, super bad guy in front of me. What I'm about to do is insane push it up through and hopefully get it approved and when i'm in that moment no when you kind of look at it you're like yep that's right and then you just kind of like move on it's just one of those things for me 
that I've done, especially, you know, for flying, you know, you see a lot of ops and stuff happening, bad guys being taken out or writing manuals. They're still used today. It's, it's just kind of one of those things that pride is there. It's that self pride that we never really take. And when it comes time to tell your story, it's kind of like when it comes out. Yeah. But besides that, it's for me, like I, it's there. I mean, I knew of it, but now looking back, like as a kid, you know, seeing this stuff and knowing exactly what it was, it's like, wow, you know? Yeah. Some pretty cool history. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like, like I've interviewed that Tony, Tony Tadeshi firefighter who responded to, to the world trade center call on nine 11. And you know, it's not until 20 years later that he really kind of appreciates the magnitude of it. Because at the time, it was just another day at work. You know, alarms went off, and it was like, let's do this thing. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I think maybe that's my own ego. Maybe that's my own ego poking through. I'm like, if I knew my name was on a spacecraft out there forever, and, you know, it doesn't matter if anyone else knew, but if my name was out there. But your name's on a spacecraft and on the moon. I mean, that is like the apex of the elite. Yeah. yeah. I know when we, when they told us that they were going to do that, we were, we were all so thrilled, you know, that boy, my name's going to the moon, you know, this, this is just fantastic. I mean, I don't think about it every day now because so many years, but I know it's in the back of my mind. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Yep. So, Tommy, he was telling me about the picture, Mm -hmm. what was going on in the picture, and um, I was taken very candidly. He's actually the one holding the manual, charging the other guys around when real life it's the other way around. Yeah. (laughs) Well, probably because I'm one who talks a lot. He says very little, you know. So uh, so they gave me the book. Myself and the guy to my left, we were the technicians, and then the next guy going around counterclockwise, he was the lead electrical, uh, Ron Lambert, and he was he was a genius. I mean, the guy, and just every morning, you know, come on, Pelsey, we're going for coffee, you know, so we'd sit there and have our coffee and our donut, and the next one, Joe Pintar, he came in, he was an uh, electrical engineer. Yeah, yep. for everybody watching, I'll just put that up there. Uh, he was our electrical. He came in from Michigan. We used to get, because uh, GE opened in 51 there. And so we were getting engineers and technicians from Michigan, Indiana, uh, all over the place. And then Ellis Davis there, he graduated from, my, I think it was not Penn State, but probably University of Pennsylvania. He was from Pennsylvania. But like I said, he worked at Schenectady for uh, mucho years before he came to Utica. But he was a great mechanical engineer, just just a great guy. Well, like I said, most everybody I worked with were good guys. Yep, and ladies. And, you know. and, and women, yeah. We even had, uh, while, while I was there, we had our first lady engineer come to GE and there were a lot of people that weren't too happy that, that they let her in there. And yeah. uh, uh, Jean Green, her name was, and she, she was a super, in fact, she taught school at uh, one of our two-year colleges also, and she was a great lady. But 
she wasn't too welcome when she first came and she was breaking the barrier. Well, sure. You know? sure. Lady electrical engineer, no, they can't know anything. Why no. would they know anything, you know? Well, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Eisenhower used to talk about that with like nuclear drills. They'd be, you yep. know, if they all had to go to the bunker, they're like, we're not bringing the women. Like, women don't do war. It was just, yeah. just what it was. It was a different time, you know, not right, not wrong. It's just, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's just what it was. Yeah. It's kind of insane thinking about that. That, yeah, like, if that happened today, that would light the world on fire. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm in the local fire department. I have been for 60 years now. And, I'm fire police captain. I don't go to many, I don't go to any fire calls, anything like that. Uh, I, I couldn't, I don't have the gear. They wouldn't want me there and I don't want to be there. Well, we have accidents and if it's not, not uh, too cold out or it's not raining too hard, then I'll go to the accident, you know, but well, whatever. But the same thing happened with us uh, probably about 10, 15 years ago. Ladies wanted to join the fire department, and boy, all the well, guys that were older than me, they're not around anymore, but they did not want any part of that. Now, yeah. why, why would a woman want to be in a fire department? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, we've got some awful good firefighters. In fact, there was a picture, uh, we've got a, a drill place up north of us here. Uh, they were down with a ladder truck. And one of the ladies, she went up the ladder there last night. They had a picture of it on Facebook. So she's way up in the bucket. So <laughs> she was, they said, oh, she finally got up there, you know. So uh, just times change, yeah. you know. I was never against change, but a lot of guys were. But but well, that seems to just kind of be the story of history, though, right? Is it? Yeah. It seems insurmountable. It seems impossible. And then it's fought, and then it becomes more common and that's normalized and then you don't even think twice about it right i mean i interview a lot as nick knows i interview a lot of military guys and right now you can you can see their opinions you know special forces guys and they're talking about you know women trying to join special forces and it's uh it's it's interesting seeing their side of it right because as you're talking about the guys at ge like women can't be here yeah so you know if you hear if you on the surface level if you just hear got these you know these military guys say you know women can't be with us on surface level you're like oh you're just resistant to change but then and i'm not saying it's right and i'm not saying it's wrong it's interesting to hear their justification and it's hey it's a bunch of guys out there and you're on your own and no one you can't make any noise and you're all sleeping together you can't have you know a guy and a girl getting frisky out there on a you know a special operation or something or, you know, what happens if I get shot and you have to carry me? And on one side, it's like, oh, you're a bigot. You don't want a woman there. And then on the other side, you're looking at it, you're like, well, here are these guys. And they, they do have very, like, rational explanations for, you know, it could result in death. But, yeah, you're right. Now, <clears throat> with any of the technology you guys used, and I'm not sure, I guess I've never really thought about it. Was any of that stuff classified at the time or... Do you not, do you not? Uh, the Viking Project wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, But I found many, I, I had a super safer clearance for different jobs that I won't even talk about at GE. So it's been a long time and they're probably declassified now, but. Oh. Uh, yep. Hush is hush. Yep. Yep. You never talk about no, it. Oh, so. sorry, Tommy. Oh. Uh, but you're not going to get it. I, I respect yeah. it. 
and my my father too in the navy and stuff that he did too is just kind of you know can't do it that inner <laughs> that y'all are in that inner that inner temple you're in the know you're the high priests but <laughs> one of the jobs i was on they sent me to a place i won't even tell you where sure. that was and when i got back we had a one secure room where we worked but it was funny my manager wasn't cleared for the job so he grabbed me in the hall and he said uh dick you haven't turned i haven't got your expense account and i said no you haven't and he says well how are you going to get paid i said it's all been taken care of well who did it i'm your manager i said it was taken care of. Just don't worry about it. Well, that used to bug him. I tell him because I worked in one place, and then they call me up, say, "Phelpsy, you got to come over here." Mm-hmm. So I have to go over there. Where are you going? I says, "I can't tell you." But he says, "You know, I'm getting tired of this." <laughs> it's it's, it's the way it was. It's the military equivalent of the mafia. You don't even know. It's taken care of. Okay. Shut up! Shut yeah. up! Stop asking questions. Oh, there's yep. there's stuff that we did flying that we were <clears throat> set uh, 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 like a, a special access program. Yeah, you know, you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, actually, you're the seal that recovered the predator, where you said you get to blow up the top secret that equipment. That's that's sap access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was read in. I'm mean, actually working with those aircraft and had to be, you know, to get the parts off of them that need to be 100 they're obviously read in but like for us flying like we don't know we're just told to push buttons yeah you know when it actually comes time to actually use that stuff yeah it was sap access and couldn't really really uh i was gonna say you guys both just looked off screen i was like oh no we said sap access and now the guys in the black suburbans are here (laughs) in in rosen new york yeah hey man i wouldn't question it now and i will be I will. I'm a lot better than I used to be. I used to be annoying about it, but now I respect it more. So I won't push past this question, but just on a very informal, very general, as loose as you can get, with this highly classified stuff, is it as cool as someone like I would imagine? And I don't know if that's loose enough to ask. Is it? Is it something where you get it and you go, eh, I mean, it's kind of, or are you like, oh, wow. No, mine really wasn't. Oh wow! I had to. Well, even even though I was on that crew, uh, I had to ask some questions, and then some of them said, "Well, help say that's a little bit above what you got to know." Uh-huh. So, so I couldn't even know, but I knew basically what was going on and why it was going on, and I thought, "Well, it's nice to be part of it anyway." So, mm-hmm. sure. yeah. Yep. Perfectly yep. said. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Th- that connects about 40 dots that I want to connect it, knowing that one thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Moving on. All right. Let's and, just get to it. Do we have, a- do we have aliens? Do we have flying saucers? Let's just, let's cut the shit. Uh, <laughs> didn't we talk about this last time? I was talking about time travel. I think I so. Know. Well, think about it. If you travel in time from where you're sitting right now, where we're sitting right now in Remsen. Yeah, space time. Okay. 80,000 years, we're going to be under ice. Mm-hmm. Well, 
No, you're not, because you're not even going to be on Earth, because Earth is traveling. Well, if you can pinpoint exactly where the Earth is going to be, and you're traveling, sure, you're okay, in this spot on this planet. All right. But yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. You're going to be under ice. Under so why not do it a hundred thousand feet up where it looks like UFOs? Oh. What do you what do you know, Dick? You're giving me a look. What do you know? What's that at area fifty one? Spill I, the beans. I, I'm just wondering what you're you're dwelling on. You were yeah. your 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 brain was turning there, trying to think yeah. of what you're talking about. Or, what uh, about the uh, oh, no, no, this is this is my own watching uh uh I think I uh, believe uh, things are out there myself. Yeah, there's yeah. something. There's something out there. I mean, why should we be the only ones? Exactly. My yeah. my theory on, <clears throat> and I've brought this up before, my theory on, uh, on like, Roswell is, uh, I remember back in eighth grade, me and my friends, what, we were 14, we were at my friend's house, and we were, like, shooting bottle rockets onto other people's lawns, and they were lighting on fire, and we'd have to put them out, and, uh, you know, braces, bull cuts, and uh, we, like, we saw lights in the distance, and so we all went and, like, hid, like, under his front porch, and, like, a cop car drove by, and, you know, at the time, because we're all kids, we're like, oh, man, we're going to jail. But, you know, that cop is probably just like, I got to go do this. So these, you know, 10-year-olds go to bed. And it was in a cul-de-sac, right? And the cop car came from a couple miles away. So they got to the cul-de-sac. They didn't know what house we were in. But they knew that we were in this general area because they saw the fireworks. They heard the explosions. So they came by and kind of, you know, flashlight. All right. And it was like 10 minutes later. So we have time and space. It was about 10 minutes later. And they got very close to where we were in the general vicinity. They didn't know which house. It's about six houses on the cul-de-sac. But they got in and around there, right? All right. So some kids playing with explosives. The cops show up a little later in time and pretty close in space. So just hold that model. What is Roswell? Roswell's 119 miles from Alamogordo, New Mexico. July 1947 is two years and one week from July 1945 when we detonated the first nuclear bomb in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Which he's been alive for every single one detonated. That's beautiful. Oh, yes. On and off this planet. So, yeah, uh, Starfish Prime. Yeah. But think about it. So some kids, some humans, with explosives, nuclear weapons, time, two years later, space, 119 miles of the entire Earth, the alleged UFO crashed 119 miles. To me, that sounds like some cops coming by with a flashlight because some kids were using explosives. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I never even thought about that. That's, yeah. I neither. I, mean, no. I don't know. I mean, if you were to ever visit humanity and you never made a visit before, and all of a sudden you came, of all of human history, you came two years later, and of the entire world. And you have a flat tire. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. You <laughs> came right there where the first A-bomb went off, a thing that does do a gamma flash that would go through space. I don't know, man. Kind of seems like the cops buzzing by, like, all right, all right, what are you kids doing? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Never thought about that one. Something to think about. I, yep. I I thought it was interesting. It's just of all of human history, it's for it's July forty seven, and of yeah. the entire world, of the entire world, one hundred nineteen miles. Mm-hmm. 
right there. Mm-hmm. I feel, yeah. I feel like Dick knows something that he's not letting on. Well, I know I was around in July of 47. <sighs> I know I was not. <laughs> and 49. Ah, uh, I know. And 39, and 38, and 36. <laughs> burning, you're burning me. But yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Owens uh, run the Germans right into the ground in the year I was born. Yeah. Uh, Hitler said that he could never win anything, and he won the whole thing. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite pictures of Jesse Owens standing in first place uh, yeah. in front of uh, those two Aryans. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. Great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you got you. Do you want to? It's seven minutes till five, so let's go for the last seven minutes. Um, oh. So another thing I've, I've thought about, you know. UFOs as I, as I do try to look at it and like let's look at it as like a military thing so we just use the whole cops doing a drive-by but we can do another thing that is pretty similar to um, atomic or thermonuclear weapons right what is it really it's it's highly classified it has the power to end the war and then when we move from the atomic bomb to the hydrogen bomb we have to beat the soviets because this is a thousand times stronger it's a technology used to impose your will on the rest of the world it's right the monkey with the sharpest spear the the human with the biggest boat with the biggest sails the strongest cannons the the best muskets, the the machine gun, the biplane, the Spitfire, the jet engine, this the overflights, the satellites, the cyber. It's always right. It's all about having the best, most least lethal weapon and keeping it secret so no one else knows. And that's how you right. It's a zero sum world where we're animals that run on food and water and shelter and health. Whoever is whoever has the best weapons wins. So let's look at. You know, the excuse always given is, well, if the government had UFOs, they couldn't tell the people because the people would go crazy. I don't think it's that. I think what it is, is it's is it's a technology no different than an A-bomb that you would want to keep quiet because whoever has the ability to control this has the ability to control the world. But unlike classified weapons programs, SAP access, where it's classified so other people can't have it, but we know it because we built it. There would be, it's a weird kind of wrench in the system. What if it was so advanced that you could rule the world, but here's the catch. We don't know how it works. So it's this sort of like, it's like if you found a lockbox, you know, I'm holding on to it, but I don't know how to open it. But I know that if I have it, you don't have it. That's how I look at it is it's, it doesn't have to be this fantastical. It's, you know, little green men from outer space. No, like, it's just a very advanced weapon that we found. It'd be like if you dropped a sniper rifle back into the 1500s. Anyone, any smart enough person would go, hold on to that, and let's try to figure out how this thing works. To me, it's no different. It kind of demystifies it. You'd go, oh, this is just a super advanced technology. Of course they're going to hide it away outside some, some desert and bring in, you know, and compartmentalize it and bring in scientists to look at it. And it's kind of tricky because you can't let the scientists see everything because you don't want anyone to know how it works. So you're bringing in a guy smarter than you to look at it, but you can't let him see everything because he can't, he also can't know all of it. So, but Nick, what you said, and he had a flat tire, isn't that a little, doesn't that kind of raise your eyebrow? This super advanced technology that allegedly came here? It crashed doesn't that 
I don't know, man. It kind of seems like maybe it's not the cops coming by and going, are you guys playing with explosives? Maybe it's the cops coming by and going, firecrackers are fun. Here's a brick of C4. You really want to get going? Is it them going, you've passed the nuclear threshold? Here's a flying saucer. We'll crash it. But is it walking by and is it, you know, dropping the blueprint saying, you're ready? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. we're in the technology age, you know, the stone age, there's middle ages, bronze, everything, right? We're in the technology age. Since 47, look how much technology has boomed. Granted, we stole all the German scientists and yeah. put them down in El Magordo, but and Roswell, actually. But look at how technology has evolved, you know, from the MacBook that we're using right here, which I use pretty much solely for doing my time lapses because Mac is actually good at handling photos compared to a desktop computer he has sitting over there, you know, to a Bluetooth mouse that has probably more memory in it than yeah, yeah. that yeah. does more commands. Well, yeah, the, the dots, yeah. it has to be able to read. Mm-hmm. The little thing in your mouse does more commands than the Voyager does. Yeah. That's 1,200 DPI. That's 1,200 commands it's looking at. Yeah, I mean... Yes. Yeah. This is more advanced than the Voyager. Yes. So... Or Viking. Um, so, look how technology has progressed and continued progressing. And we're now using precious metals differently. That's why you get so much money for returning your cell phone because all the precious uh-huh. metals are... Could it be that we took that technology and, hey, this is how it works, but we don't have the resources or materials to do it. Yeah. Now we can transfer it forward, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, so, uh, have, have you ever uh, have you ever read The Day After Roswell by uh, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, I can't remember, Philip Corso? No. No, I haven't. Who, who worked in the Pentagon. I mean, there are pictures of him with Eisenhower and... Uh, but no, his whole thing is that's what it is. That's where, that's where Branko processors came from. That's where computer chips came from. That's where fiber optics came from. And he said that they were tasked by the Pentagon to reverse engineer it and then kind of insert it covertly into American industry. And I mean, what else happened in 47? Creation of the CIA, creation of the Air Force, creation of the first National Security Act. And, you know, it kind of gets a little, gets a little crazy. Yeah, you forgot one. I turned eleven, <laughs> and, Dick, and Dick Phelps turned eleven. The, the most momentous of them all. Forget the Air oh, Force. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my mother was born that year too. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm not dating her or anything, but you just did. That was very rude of you. Uh, she'll get over it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dick Phelps. Thank you so much. Nick, thank you for putting us in touch. Thank you for giving me an hour of your time, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I realize that more and more as these go on, it's not just thank you for doing it. Thank you for giving me an hour of your time. And um, I know you know about UFOs, and I, I won't I won't push it further. Yeah, uh, I'm waiting for it to come out from the stimulus last year or start of the year. Yeah, that was a nothing burger. Yeah. They're not. Oh, it was, but they, they hid it away somewhere. They it's did. out there. They did. I don't know. I think we'll find out sooner or later. I mean, what else would I think? I think that you have the, a brilliant hypothesis, though. Yeah, where else would you do it? You do it a hundred thousand feet up. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absurd. Dick Phelps, thank you. Yeah. Nick Phelps, thank you. Tom, thank you. Tom, blow out your ass. Thank you. <laughs> Do you see how he treats me? Do you see how he treats me? I, I, no, it's, it's, I know. Yeah, it's how we are. It's my wife chewed, chewed him out on the yeah. top of his mouth. Yeah. Well, you should. It's very rude. My mom, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> <laughs> my mom's gonna punch my teeth down if I keep using the f word. It's terrible. It's yeah, terrible. I was gonna do it to Tommy one day, and his mom walks in. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the <laughs> only episode my mom's ever remorse with this Tommy. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, my mom came in. She. I mean, she. That was. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah we had we had to talk a little bit. Yeah. She she gave me a plate of dinner. It was brilliant. Um, yeah. But yeah. But, thank you. Absolutely. Um, keep it on. Keep. Keep doing this. I'm every time. Yeah, Keep man. doing it. Thank you. I do appreciate it. And if by any chance sometime in the future, it doesn't need to be soon, if you would be interested in another one, I have two friends, uh, Warren Ash Peter and Aaron Shepard, both who worked for NASA. Um, I've had them both come on and tra- talk with Charlie Duke. Um, they're absolute science nerds. They are NASA history buffs. They've worked at NASA. They both of them have worked on spacecraft. Warren is currently working on spacecraft out in Colorado. I think that they would be absolutely delighted to meet you if at any, that's just something to consider. If at any point in the future you'd like to, you don't have to get it's. Well, yeah, they, they're way above me, but I wouldn't no, mind. No, they're not. Trust me. These guys. Well, are, I mean, uh, they're. No. Uh, no. Like I said, I would. I wasn't an engineer, and I didn't know how a lot of things worked. I just put them together. We're all faking it in this life. None of us know how anything works. I am just, I fake it, and I act like I know what I'm doing. I have no idea how any of this works. Don't put yourself down. No one knows less than Nick. I mean, Nick, you know, he... (laughs) (laughs) Huh? What? Nick's going to kick (laughs) Nick's going to kick my ass. Nick Phelps, Dick Phelps. Thank you so much, Nick. I will text you. Um, well, I'll text my two buddies. I, I legitimately, I'm not just saying that. I would legitimately love to do another one. I think they would love to pick your brain. And um, yeah, man, that was a brilliant talk. And never forget, it wasn't that it was Roswell or the creation of the CIA. 1947 was the year you turned 11. And that is the momentous moment of history. Forget flying saucers. You were 11. Yes. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless America. Stay safe, yep. everyone. Nick, I'll send you the link when it's up. Dick, very nice to meet you. Take care, guys. Recording stopped.